Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White, and this is The Science of Motherhood. Hello, and welcome to episode 104 of The Science of Motherhood. I am your host, Dr. Renee White. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have kicked off the new year um, with flying colors, and I hope you are having a beautiful time with your friends and family. 2024, it's going to be a big year for us here at Fill Your Cup. We've got some huge announcements to make. It's going to be a good one, everyone. (laughs) This is our first big guest podcast for the year, which is very, very exciting. Thank you to all those who tuned in last week for our first podcast back for 2024, which was our Check-In Tuesday episode. And today we have got a fantastic guest. We are back talking about sleep and Maisie Rattan is going to talk to us about a bit of a niche topic. It's something that um, typically comes up in our prenatal sessions with when we're doulering um, here at Fill Your Cup. And there's a lot of discussion around how we essentially nurture our toddlers and help support them, particularly when there's a new addition arriving. We know that that can kind of set them off a little bit. You know, you hear the phrase they'll regress when there's a new baby in in the mix. But today, Maisie, who is a family sleep specialist, she's also a parenting coach, she is going to talk to us about how parents can navigate those sleepless nights and challenging bedtimes using a combination of sleep science and gentle parenting strategies, which is like totally up our alley, which is great. And as I already alluded to, you know, unlike majority of sleep consultants where we kind of focusing on newborn and that first 12 months, Maisie's expertise actually lies in supporting toddlers, preschoolers and kids beyond those baby years. Um, She's also a mum of twins, which you will hear all about in this interview. And I guess if we were to niche her any further, it's all around toddler bedtimes. It's about what sleep looks like for families expecting their second child. You know, she when we were discussing offline, she was talking about the fact that she works with a lot of, you know, panicked kind of parents, whether they're, you know, in their fourth trimester or, you know, they've just had their baby and they're trying to get better sleep conditions for their toddlers. It's just hard enough with a newborn, let alone that slippery slope of our toddlers kind of, you know, struggling a little bit. So in this interview, you're going to hear about how she became a sleep specialist, toddler sleep, how that looks different to like newborn versus adult sleep, how to tackle a double bedtime. And along the way, we're going to talk about, you know, myths and misconceptions, which we absolutely love chatting about on this podcast. And then how to kind of get your support person, your partner, whoever that is in your life to kind of, you know, get into the mix and how to integrate them a little bit further into that bedtime routine. I, for one, you'll probably hear me selfishly talking about this in the interview. I'm I'm the default parent and have always been with bedtimes. And so it's nice to kind of learn a few tricks and tools along the way that you can implement. So No doubt you are going to get some nuggets of gold from this interview. I cannot wait for you to listen to it. Um, Again, if you love this interview, if you think it's going to be really valuable to friends and family, please feel free to share it. And also, if you love it, hit up some stars for us. We love five-star reviews. That helps us climb the ladder, get us more airplay on the charts, and then we get better accessibility to other friends, family, parents, and everyone in between. So thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the other end. Bye. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Macy Rattan, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. 
Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. And I think today's episode, today's topic is going to be very, very valuable to listeners. Um, More often than not, we do focus on the kind of immediate newborn, fresh babies, and we've spoken to a few other specialists in that area. But when you reached out and you said, hey, can we talk about toddlers? I was like, yes, yes, let's talk about toddlers. And I think you got me at a like a really good point because um, we do postpartum planning sessions for families. And it's really interesting because a lot of the time we talk about how to navigate sleep, not only for Bubby and families, but also the toddlers who are already in the house. And so what does that look like? And obviously I'm not a sleep specialist. I can give some kind of top level advice, but having your knowledge would be absolutely amazing. So we're going to talk about that today in today's episode. But before we dive into that, and we also have some questions from our Instagram followers as well, which we're going to look at. But do you want to just give us a brief background on who you are? How did you come to this area? And what is it that kind of like really fuels your fire when it comes to sleep? Yeah. Um, Well, my background is in nursing. That's kind of how I started out with my career. And then I got pregnant and I was pregnant with twins. And that's kind of really where it started because I was like huge. You know, my belly was huge and I was nesting and so shopping and doing all the things and everyone I met because everybody's so nosy when you have a big old belly right and <laughs> yes everything is off limits somehow <laughs> yeah everybody's like when are you due you must be due any day and then it went the conversation was always the same actually I'm only 24 weeks I got a long way to go I have twins you know and um it was always like I used to want twins until I had one and you're never going to sleep, you know, do you have help? Which of course I didn't. We lived away from family at the time and Mm. I just kind of got really anxious and uh, read a lot of books about pregnancy, a couple about sleep that my friends had given me and uh, then, you know, gave birth and the whole nine yards and, you know, nothing really applied that I read, you know, the usual story, but Mm. overall they slept okay. And, uh, I, it wasn't really until that I needed to go back to work that the kind of the the thought of becoming a sleep consultant came and actually a friend suggested it. She was, um, taking a course to become a, um, a doula, like a fertility specialist. And, uh, she was like, my, you know, my school offers this. What about that? And I was like, Hmm, okay. Like it was just, it was not planned. It was completely random. Um, and I, I liked it, you know, I, I kind of dabbled in it for a while and then, it really kind of progressed into, you know, my passion when sort of the pandemic hit, like the pandemic Mm. hit, it kind of just moved. My kids were now toddlers. They were like two, two and a half. And just like my whole world went to hell and like, they weren't sleeping good anymore. Uh, You know, they were waking each other up, jumping on the bed, not listening, not laying down, like coming down the hallway, asking a million questions, all of like the traditional like typical things you hear of when you think of the bedtime battle after like they've been sleeping great for years and you know I'd been trained as a sleep coach so like I kind of knew what to do but I didn't like nothing nothing seemed to be working and so I kind of do what I always do when I don't know what to do is like I researched and so I was reading a lot of books and took some courses became a a parenting coach and like really like all of the things I just kind of obsessed about it And I think that's what led me into really wanting to specialize in kids because not very many people talk about kids. It's always like the babies. Mm -hmm. And when really like a lot of people's toddlers sleep worse than they did as newborns, as like, like my kids did. And, uh, it's, it's hard because it's not, it's not just like the sleep. There's like the parenting piece. There's the boundaries piece. There's the, there's so many things to it. And so that's kind of how I got to where I am now. I think that's fascinating how, how everything seemed to be okay. (laughs) And then, you know, and then it all went pear-shaped and (laughs) Uh, you know, yeah. it is that classic thing where it's like, everything's fine and we're going to do whatever works. And then when it doesn't work, okay, now we need to start experimenting with 
with other things. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you've kind of already touched on is that there is such a huge focus on newborn sleep, probably because, you know, we're already recovering from pregnancy and birth. And so add that extra layer of sleep deprivation when, you know, we've got newborns, it's just a compounding effect. But you're right, when when parents head back to work, that's when I think people are really craving a bit more of a routine and probably in the hope to actually get a lot more sleep <laughs> because someone else is relying on you. You're now being paid for work. Um, so what I would love to know, what is it about toddler's sleep that is different to newborn sleep versus I guess, you know, teen or, or adult sleep? What are the what are the things that people need to kind of understand when you first kind of go into their homes and, and start kind of assisting families with this? That's a really interesting question because in a lot of ways there are no differences, but mm. in some ways there are like just nothing but differences, right? So like toddlers are like babies in, and that they wake up because they're hungry or because they're uncomfortable or because they're sick or cold or there was a weird noise or, you know, all the thirsty, they have to go to the bathroom, all of the things that like babies can wake up for um, mm-hmm. or adults, I guess, for that matter. But, you know, with toddlers, it's different because at some point along the line, you know, all of those our needs, like as a, as an infant, a newborn, if any of that happens and the, and they wake up and they, and they're crying and, you know, you need to go get them. You need to respond. That's what, you know, we need to do as parents. Uh, at some point along the line, some of those needs kind of turn into wants. And okay. that line is not like black and white. It's not like, okay, you know, you're 18 months now or you're two, you know, you don't, you don't actually need that water anymore. Or, you know, it's, Mm. it's not as as black and white as as that. And so it's, you're juggling some of that balancing needs and wants with your own, your own needs and wants really, because as they get older, you start to kind of find yourself again, right? And like to get into your routines and things like this. And and so that's a part of it. And then also they're starting to discover their voice, right? Before mm-hmm. all that was being able to cry. Now they can say no. And they they're more recognizing that like, hey, if I say no, you know, things kind of happen, right? And so yeah. it's yeah, they have they can describe their preference, right? I don't want dad. I want mom. I don't want mom. I want dad. You know, I don't yeah. want that. Blanket. Don't let go. Like don't leave. And so the, the parenting piece comes in of, of, you know, your language and what you say to them and your boundaries, what you're willing and not willing to do and how you're willing or and able <laughs> to cope with tantrums because there's a lot of tantrums and big feelings. And, uh, that, I think that's the, the big thing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the screen time becomes more of a challenge as kids get older as well and um, all of that. But yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I was speaking with a, uh, another guest on the podcast around, you know, that kind of toddler age and how, to your point, you know, they start to realize that they have a voice. I distinctly remember when my daughter <laughs> her favorite word was no. <laughs> and, and, but at the same time, it's kind of respecting the fact that it is that developmental leap in that they are trying to be independent and they are realizing that, oh, okay, there's a boundary there and I can see it and mum can see it. But let's just see if we can kind of straddle that boundary. What does that feel like? You know, like how far am I going to push that? Like they are wired to do that. Right? Yeah. Is it a boundary? What is the saying? Is it a boundary in stone or is it a boundary in sand? Right? Yes. I love that. I've never heard that actually. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I think it might be Dr. Shafali, but I'm not entirely sure. But yeah. Uh, Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, I think it's a, it is such a, uh, what I found was really tricky though, was the fact that, as you say, they've, they have gone from being so, and I, I don't know if this is the right word, but compliant, they're just so compliant and they're like, 
uh-huh, yeah, and they just do, and you can kind of pick them up, put them in the pram, do this, do that, and then all of a sudden it's like they don't want to get in the pram, they don't want to get in the car seat, they're negotiating over, you know, when it is time to go to bed. I don't want to go into bed. I want to, <laughs> you know, all of these things, and it is such a shock. It is such a shock to the system, and I think people like you hopefully will make everyone's life a whole lot easier. Are you happy to dive into a couple of different questions and things like that that we've got? Because I would love to run through some scenarios around how you would kind of tackle these things, and I'm going to selfishly start (laughs) with something that that happens in our house And actually, I did have a couple of questions from followers on Instagram around this particular topic, but it is the fact that I have always been the primary caregiver. So I, and I exclusively breastfed and my baby would never take a bottle. And so the the nighttime routine was always on me. And I know a lot of other mums who this is this has kind of happened to. And so over the years, we have just kind of developed this concept of like mum puts me to bed. Yeah. My husband travels a lot. And so I am just the go-to person. Now my daughter is six now, and it, there is still an expectation that mum is putting me to bed. And on occasion, we can <laughs> We can negotiate dad putting her to bed, but what would your advice be for families who are trying to make it a bit more of an even keel? Because sometimes it's really hard and sometimes I just don't have the energy to do it and I would love for it to be more of a shared experience. What are your top tips for that? (laughs) Yeah, if you can start young. If you can start like early, early on in like those first few months, you know, there's not as much of a, of a need to have a specific person. They just want, they just need to be comforted and feel safe. And so, you know, if you can start early on, that's, that's the easiest thing, obviously. And then outside of that, it's, you know, it's what you touched on. Like you need to, you need to have the energy. You need to be like ready to do this and, you know, think it through and, and, you know, start slow too. Like, I think a lot of parents, what ends up happening is you're, you know, your cup from's empty and you're like at your wits end and you're touched out and you're tired. And, you know, you're like, here, take them. Like, I can't do it tonight. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so then the child feels that rejection. They can feel the stress in the air, you know, like that's not going to be the night where they're going to accept Mm -hmm. your partner really. And so if you can kind of think about it more strategically, that would be ideal and, you know, bring things in, in ways that they are comfortable with. Like, Maybe uh, I've got one client right now, we're working on dad starting to do the bath, the bath time, mm-hmm. and then mom does the rest of the routine. And so it's just like easing him in there in like a, in a small way that's, you know, not like taking over the whole routine, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then we'll kind of make sense. We're kind of dive into where like now he does pajamas because mom's busy doing the dishes or something like uh-huh. have things where it's like, it's not like. I'm pawning you off or this is the new routine. It's just, this is happening tonight because, and we'll make a big deal about it. And, you know, if, of course there's always the child that's like, still like, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. right? (laughs) Like this, there's temperament things you have to deal with, but if you have a fairly easygoing kid, then that can, that can be, you know, the way to go. Some kids, you just have to like, not, be in the house at all or else they'll be like no I still want you and yeah. so it can be it can be tricky for sure but I think we're trying to think of that like the psychological piece is important throughout all of this whether you have an easygoing kid or a more challenging kid is if if you've told them that you know dad is doing bedtime tonight our dad is tucking in or dad is reading the story or, or, or mom or whatever it is. And you start, but then go back because, you know, they're, they're fighting so much shit. Like there's tantruming or screaming or, you know, all the things that kids do, it, it kind of undermines the plan. Right. Mm-hmm. So in essence, you're, 
telling your child that like, okay, you're right. They can't do bedtime. They can't read you the story as good as I am. I guess I'm going to have to take over. And Mm -hmm. so there's this almost like, and I told you so kind of thing, almost like, Uh like, it kind of reinforces that it makes it harder for next time. Mm. You know, people say it's like, oh, well, they, they, you know, yelled and screamed and got their way kind of thing, you know, but it's not, it's not like that so much. It's just more so that it's, it's repaving that, that line that this is what happens every single night, right? It's reinforcing that this is the pattern. Yeah. And also it undermines your partner, right? And it kind of steals from their confidence as well. Like they need to be able to fumble. If you think about how long it took you to fumble, (laughs) to figure out things as a new parent, right? With, you know, Mm -hmm. when they were a baby and even now, so as they're becoming a toddler, it's almost like learning how to do it all over again. But, you know, you had to fumble and so they're going to need to fumble and you got to let them because, you know, stepping in and, and, and rescuing, if you want to call it that, mm. it gets, you know, says, I don't trust you or you can't do it or yeah, number of those things. And so it kind of, you need to trust that they can do it. And then your partner needs to trust that they can do it and you just need to commit <laughs> and you just yes. need to <laughs> commit and, like, and support. Absolutely. And you know, it doesn't mean like, going all the way for sure. Like if they're really having a hard time, there's ways to kind of like rescue that, mm-hmm. but be conscious of like how of that kind of um, psychological piece, if that makes sense. That's my biggest advice because yeah. what I see happening the most is that, and then they just don't want to try it again or they'll yes. try it again, but it gets, it's worse, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I think that's a really important piece um, because yes, there are times where, I I am guilty of it. Like I'll be like, oh my god, I've got so much on my plate. And my husband will step in and go, I can do X Y Z, and then I'm critical of of how he's handled it. And he's like, well, I don't want to do it now because now all mm-hmm. I think is that you're just gonna say that's not right or that's not how I would do it. So yes, over the years, I have definitely come to the realization that done is 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 just something I'm going to have to accept. It's, it's not going to be perfect. And then, (laughs) you know, like, like I've had to step away sometimes because, you know, I, I kind of have a firm, no devices after dinner type of concept. And that's how it is in our family. But in instances, and we've tried this in the beginning when, if I have to be away, um, you know, for the night or I'm going out for dinner with friends or something like that, I'm not part of the bedtime routine to kind of soften the blow for my daughter. She always had a fun activity that she only did with dad. So for example, they had, he shared his love for, (laughs) for Xbox and they found a game that the two of them could play together and they could do you know, 15 minutes of that after dinner. And that was their fun activity to kind of like soften the bedtime routine. And whilst it kind of really pushes my no devices after dinner concept, I'm like, okay, but if it's 15 minutes and that is what builds that bond between the two of them and that trust for her to go, okay, I can let dad you know, we have, have, do you watch Bluey? There's an episode called Daddy Put Down. <laughs> so we use that concept in now. I'm like, so Daddy Put Down Night tonight, you know. Um, <laughs> if there's that, then, yeah. We find that that kind of softens the low a little bit because she gets to play a game. Okay, I have some more questions which I think will be, I, can, I think the running theme for like a lot of the questions was, around multiple kids. So tackling multiple children. So Alicia has asked tackling multiple children who all need you to go to sleep when your partner is on night shift. Hmm. How the hell? I've got this actually in my questions. I was like, how do you tackle a double bedtime or a triple bedtime? How like, man, (laughs) where do you even start? I have one child. So I'm just like, I don't even know. (laughs) It's really one of these things that like, it's impossible to answer unless you yeah. know like specifics because it depends on the age of the children. It depends on 
how much sleep each one needs. Do they even have the same bedtime, right? Mm -hmm. For a lot of toddlers, despite what people like to think, they have quite late bedtimes particularly if they're napping Mm -hmm. compared to, you know, an an older child who isn't napping anymore versus like a a baby. And so when you have the varying nap time, sometimes that can work in your favor. You know, you can kind of distract a toddler and put, you know, another child to bed kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it makes sense to do it all together. Mm -hmm. It really kind of depends also on the layout of your house. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, you can't necessarily leave a toddler or a baby downstairs if you're upstairs doing bedtime with somebody else. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. Um, but I can tell you what worked for us and our family. Yeah. I have twins. twins. They're six-year-old boys now. And what worked best for, for me, once they kind of hit the toddler age, was we just got a big old bed and put it on the ground and I'd have one of them on each side of me and we would read a story and then I would lie down <laughs> and sleep with them until they calmed down and, and, uh, settled down a little bit and I can get up, but like I needed, I needed them in both arms reach mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, kept the door closed. I think that's another piece is that when you're doing things with, and you have multiple kids, say you're bathing one and, uh, is like keep that door closed because otherwise the other one's going to go crawling down the hallway or whatever. Yeah. And it, it, can be, it can be very chaotic. So like I always, I, I, I love and hate this question because it, it is chaotic and like there is no magic answer. Mm. Um, you know, if, if you can, I like to put whoever falls asleep the easiest, the first, I right. um, just so that you can get it over and done with like whoever's your more reliable sleeper. Yeah. But sometimes that isn't always possible because you kind of need to put down whoever needs the most sleep first, Mm. realistically, right? Otherwise it can kind of, they can run into the point where they're not not necessarily getting enough sleep, right? Yeah. 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 I would imagine it would be very, very tricky. And so I think... I think the other piece to that was also what do you say, say you've got a toddler and this is what we have. And I kind of touched on this earlier. You've got a new baby arriving, you know, you know that that's going to happen. First of all, is it, I think, is it a common thing for your baby, um, for your baby, for your toddler to kind of maybe move a few steps back in terms of their sleep like is that is that a common thing and then I guess the second part of that question is are there ways that we can support our toddlers to kind of smooth that transition because you know and I think the whole psychological piece comes in as well with that it's like oh man I'm not the center of my parents universe anymore (laughs) how does that how does that work what are your kind of recommendations for that that's a fantastic question and I think I mentioned to you before is that like most of the clients that I get fall into kind of like one of two camps and like one is okay I'm very pregnant and my toddler refuses my partner and they're waking up Mm. at night and they're taking forever at bedtime and like help like I'm gonna have a baby soon like yeah like I can't do this I can't do both Mm. (laughs) or like I need to go to the hospital and like they've never had anybody else put them to bed before and they're going to be staying with their grandparents or something. So there's yes. that camp. And then the other camp is like, help, I have a newborn and my toddler is sleeping awful. And how am I going to do this? You know, like they were sleeping fine and now they're not, or sometimes they never were sleeping, but it's, yeah, it's super normal for for sleep to kind of, you know, go a little bit sideways when, when you're pregnant and also when baby comes, because when you're pregnant, you're stressed and Mm. tired and can be a little bit touched out sometimes too. And, and, you know, if you're breastfeeding, sometimes there's some aversion and different things that can happen. And so sleep can go sideways sometimes when uh, you're pregnant as well as when baby comes. And I think the, the, you know, the trick is to just plan and be mindful of it. Really, if you need to bring in that partner, or if you're wanting to make any sort of changes to like ending co-sleeping or weaning or anything like that, don't do it in like, you know, eight months pregnant. (laughs) 
I get so many inquiries and like, what do you do? Like two weeks. I'm like, no. (laughs) Because I would imagine that you would want like a really kind of slow and gradual kind of transition for that. You would want to just bang, you know, cold turkey. You don't want the change to be like, okay, baby's here. Now you're in, you're in your own bed baby's here. So now you're not getting milk baby's here. So now, you know, dad's putting you to sleep. Right. Cause then they start to like resent baby. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's already like they, they have to grieve. Like mm-hmm. I think people, people don't understand that like they're grieving the life that they used to have. Yes. I'm sure they're happy, but they have a sibling, right? Like toddlers love babies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is still that big change. And, and so, that's like the big piece, I think, is just try not to use baby as an excuse for anything. Like right. you can't play with that because I have to put the baby down or I have to feed the baby. It's hard. It's hard. But try and then try and find time for one-on-one, you know, mm-hmm. squeeze that one-on-one time in the day because, you know, it's just like with when they start daycare or when they start school or when you go back to work, kind of all these kinds of things, when they start to have a little bit less of that connection time with you, mm-hmm. that one-to-one connection time with you, they can wake up more at night to yes. that connection from you back. Right. And it's like the loneliness is part of it, but there's also like some regulation aspects of it as well, where like you are their safe place and they need to get those, those feels out. Right. And mm-hmm. so that through through absolutely I'm with you right and oh. so yeah laughter oh. and playing and that yes. bonding time even if it's like 10 minutes a day like 10 minutes like put that phone away <laughs> turn the podcast off yes the off. <laughs> just like, like, like walk yourself in a room and like sit on the floor with your child and just like let them play and just delight in them you know you don't have to play with them but just like you know talk to them share in what they're doing ask them questions and just show them that they're like your only concern in the world right now so like baby should not be in the room when you're doing this like so trying to find time when your partner can watch them and if you don't have a partner like you need to get like a parent swap or or mm. get a baby or a doula or something uh it's really it really can make that much of a difference uh, it really can. I I agree 100%. You know, when I reflect on evenings where, you know, even though I'm the primary caregiver, you know, and I'm the person putting her to bed, we've had those nights where if I haven't had that real solid connection time with her, it goes pear-shaped. You know, there's just, I'm thirsty. Can you read another chapter of the book? It's, it's that craving for connection the whole time, because as you said, you're their safe space. And so they've got to feel safe. They've got to feel that, you know, there's that beautiful bond there. And then they relax and go to sleep (laughs) and more often than not, or um, with play, they're just cooked. Like, they're just like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I'm uh." (laughs) out they go. (laughs) okay so all right then so kind of tackling tackling you know the the juggle between a baby and a toddler so you know having that bonding time and and making them kind of you know still the center of your universe at any opportunity that you possibly can on that point though and I'd love to know because I've got two questions from Rachel she's asked how do you stop them from getting out of bed? And I think, I guess, like the overarching thing is just bedtime refusal. Like what's actually going on there? Is that the connection point? Is that what's missing there? Like is that what's is that why they won't go to bed? Or am I just making a big assumption out of that? No, that's huge. Well, there's there's two things that could potentially be going on. Like I don't know Rachel's situation, but you know, the the biggest reason that kids gotta get out of bed is because they're used to being in a crib and then they're not anymore and they don't have that like impulse control that like I don't like I like it's like a shiny syndrome, right? Like I see, I do, I see, I do, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Um, I think I do. And so they just like, they can't really stop themselves. You know, they say three, you know, but 
realistically, it could be, you know, any time after that for kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, you know, we were talking about like how to prepare with baby and toddler. Like if your toddler's in a crib mm-hmm. and you're pregnant and you're thinking, okay, I got to get them in a bed so I can use the crib for baby. Don't <laughs> borrow a crib. <laughs> something like don't do a major transition like that when you if you don't need to I mean if they're climbing out and they're being unsafe or something that's something else but I know that's not really entirely what you asked but it's such a big thing no that's I think that's really valuable because I so I I know so many people who would go oh yeah we need we need the crib for the baby and so let's secondhand crib or buy another one or something put them on the floor uh your baby on the floor or something next to you i know like they put babies in boxes nowadays right i, I know, know. I, I you know what i love that here. Yeah. <laughs> babies so babies don't need cots I, I i was so stupid and was furious with my husband because he refused to like build the cot till i think I was like 33, 34 weeks pregnant. And I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? And like, inevitably we didn't use it for like six months. <laughs> yeah. It just didn't get, well, it did. It got used for um, just dumping stuff into it. <laughs> it was another storage option right. for us. It's the most expensive longer laundry hamper you'll ever yeah. have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So don't get them, don't get them a, like a bed, keep them in the crib for as long as they possibly can. Yeah. So what what else is going on though? Like from a kind of psychological perspective, is it so it's the boundary thing and then do you think do you think they just want to hang out with you? Like sometimes I think that there's so many so many reasons. It's not one thing. If I had to put my money on like some like at least one piece that's mm-hmm. part of every single one it is it is that connection piece. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying goodnight to your child after you've been, you know, with them during the day, or especially if you haven't been with them during the day, if you've been working or if you've been busy with baby, when, you know, you're going to bed and you're like, you're essentially saying goodbye to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, like, they're going to be separated from you. You're essentially going to be in separate rooms, if assuming you sleep in separate rooms. But even if you share a room or share a bed, you're still unconscious right you're not together Mm. yeah and so that is very unsettling for them you know not not in a conscious sense really it's more so internal Mm. there we're we're like a a herd species or community species where you know historically many 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 moons ago we would sleep you know in like together in caves like or Mm. wherever I don't know I just think of like the movie the croods I don't know if you've seen it yes That's yeah. what I want to say. I don't know if we did sleep piles, but we're, we're, we used to sleep, you know, all in the same room or all in the same space. Right. Yeah. And so there's this, it's called attachment, right? Where this is instinct for kids to be close to us. And so as they realize that this separation is happening, there can be like an internal anxiety almost. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they can put their name on or anything, but some kids uh, it's bigger than others. And it gets worse when there's less connection in, in the day when they need some connection. And so all of these things start happening where they're the, the bedtime battles, where they're refusing to do things, where they're not listening or where, or where they're asking for extra water or where they're saying, don't go, you know, those can all kind of be often attributed to this kind of, I I don't want to call it separation anxiety, because it's not like a Mm. like actual true, like diagnostic mental health challenge or anything, but that's the common term that people will use to say. It's not so much like they're doing it for attention. Cause that's what I hear the most is like, you know, well, I don't want to get them water. Cause I got them water yesterday. Then now they're going to always learn to get water or mm. you know, I need them to listen. How do we get them to listen? It's, it's so much more um, about that connection piece, but it's also not as simple as that. Like we talked a little bit about the impulse control, right? Like mm. you can't just expect a toddler to stay when you stay, right? <laughs> like I think yeah. you'd have better like, having a dog stay than a kid stay. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like I said, it's a shiny object syndrome, right? But there's also like things like timing, right? Like you can have the most well-behaved kid and the best boundaries and have the most connection-filled day. But if you put them to bed when they're not tired, they're going to like boink around and 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. So there's, it's just, it's so, so, yeah, there's so many things, but the easiest thing to do is to stay. Just to just wait until they fall asleep. I mean, that doesn't work for everybody, but if, if everything's running smoothly, it shouldn't take more than 15 minutes for them to fall asleep. We still do that. It's, I mean, I think I love it because it's my opportunity to kind of have that really close connection time with her. And, you know, we read a story and then, um, we put on, it's kind of like a bit of either a bit of mindfulness kind of audio or like just an audio book. And she loves that. And so you're right. Like, you know, the audio book, I think goes for like 30, 35 minutes and she's out like a lie in 10 or 15. Like I'm, I'm out the door. And it's so funny because now (laughs) previously, like, you know, when she was much younger and I had to get out like a ninja, um, (laughs) now, like I could, I reckon I could like, you know, slam a drawer in there. She wouldn't wake up. Like it's, it's actually just so much easier now, but I think it is because someone once told me, and it's very similar to childcare and this works for us. I don't know if it works for everyone, but this really changed my perspective. Someone at childcare said, you need to walk in with the intention that you're staying, not leaving. And I was like, what? And she was like, you need to, yeah, you need to sit down. Cause um, when we would like take the kids in, um, you know, some kids would be having breakfast um, if they were there super early, but otherwise, you know, you could have like a little snack or something like that as you walked in. And so as soon as I went with the intention of staying, like I'd sit down, I'd actually sit down, I'd sit down, I would have a little chat. Oh, what are you having today? What's, what's on the menu today? You know, she was kind of like, oh, okay. Mum's like got a seat and she's having a conversation with me. And it was like, just almost like we're just softening that transition for that, like that handover. And so as soon as I made that change mentally, I'm here to stay. And then inevitably she'd be like, okay, see you, mum, bye. Like one of her friends would walk in and she'd be like, oh, we're going outside now. And I was like, oh, okay, bye. Have a good day. The transition was so much easier. Like (laughs) otherwise it was a complete shit fight sometimes when I'd be like, I've got to go. I've got to go, hun. I've got to go. I've got to go. I'm going to be late for this meeting. She'd be like, don't go. Don't leave me. (laughs) Um, And I'd be like, you, you know, you're getting this like, and then like the carer is kind of like, mommy's got to go. Come on, I'll give you a cuddle. And maybe that is like, is that the same thing? Like with sleep, it's kind of like, I'm here. And oh then, yes, yes. Yeah. There's been um, research into this and I, I can't remember the, the names, but essentially being emotionally available for your kids at bedtime helps with bedtime. Mm. right so being present and you know I think it just comes back to that safe space thing really that you know if you're calm Mm -hmm. if you're open to connection if you're not tense and stressed and in a rush like kids can feel that when you're feeling when you're rushed and like anytime you kind of add that stress or push kids a little bit it kind of you know, it affects that counter will in kids mm-hmm. where, which is like this scientific word for like the reaction where they just instinctively say no. Yeah. <laughs> like, they might mean, mean yes. Like this is where, you know, they want to, they, you know, they want a banana, but they say no, because you know, they're mad at something else. Right. Yes. So there there's that. But you know, the other thing that people don't really realize is that bedtime routine is, is, like a sleep association, essentially. Everybody mm-hmm. talks about sleep associations with babies, right? Like, be careful not to do this, or you're always going to have to do it, right? Mm, yes, they're my that, favorite. <laughs> the idea that, like, when you're used to something, it helps. It helps with sleep, right? People, I don't believe that there are any bad sleep associations as long as it's working. That's mm-hmm. my belief. But you know, the the bedtime routine can become a sleep association where the everything that you're doing in that bedtime routine can help make bedtime and sleep more likely or Mm -hmm. less likely, right? Mm -hmm. So if your bedtime routine is 
Like if you dread bedtime and it's like a shit show and it's not going well and you're fighting and they're fighting and, you know, lay down, close your eyes, put your pajamas on, you know, all of these kinds of things tomorrow when bedtime comes, do you think they're going to be like, when you say bedtime, that they're going to be like, woohoo. Yeah. No, like, you know, like, <laughs> oh God, on edge. Like, Here we go. <laughs> so, you know, you can kind of reinforce that dread by having like a really crappy bedtime and you get into this cycle where you just, you can't get out. It's hard mm. to get out. And so, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, no, I think, I think the, the, the energy and the vibe is so, yes. so important. And it, and then also just having compassion for yourself and because it is just hard work right? Being a parent. And sometimes, as you said earlier, sometimes you're just like, you need, like to your partner, you got to take them tonight because I am at, I'm at a zero (laughs) and I, I just cannot do this right now. We've, we've definitely had a couple of those nights, um, for sure. When my daughter was very, very young and I was like, I just can't settle her. I just can't do this. And, um, for everyone's mental health, I need to step away from this situation. I need to take a couple of really deep breaths, (laughs) you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, it's, it's just hard, you know, sometimes, um, when things don't go to plan, but I think to your point, you know, if you're, if you're a solo parent, then, you know, call on your village because, it's tough to do this day in and day out for sure. I take my hat off to solo mamas. My husband works a lot and frequently travels and I'm so happy that he does more travel now, now that my daughter's older. But when, when my daughter was younger and I knew he was traveling, I would, I would just call my sister and I'd be like, I'm sorry, but you're staying over at my house for a week because, (laughs) and it wasn't, it wasn't a case of like she uh, never actually put my daughter to sleep, but it's just, you know, she was helping at bath time. She was helping me with dinner. You know, when I finally got out of my daughter's room, she was there with a cup of tea and just someone to chat to, you know, just to have that kind of time for reflection and another human being in the house to be like, far out that was really hard and just yeah. to hold space for you as well so yes I highly recommend having um having someone else in the house with you when you're doing this yeah yeah it's hard so many families don't and you know what I say in those situations is to just give yourself so much self-compassion and just to do what works you know mm. so much of the things that we feel that we need to do and the changes we want to make and the stresses that we have and the worries we have about sleep are, you know, society's influence on us. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's a problem, you know, you know, doing whatever works, if that's feeding your toddler to sleep, you know, do that. Mm -hmm. If that's sharing a bed, uh, do that. You know, if that is going to bed with your toddler at you know, 8 PM, you know, because it's just easier that way. Cause you fall asleep with them anyways, when you're putting them to bed, then do that, you know, mm-hmm. like do what works. Um, I say often there's like the, I call it the four D's. And so like, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if something's not working, if you are bringing stress into your bedtime, because your life is just so like hectic, which it just is for so many of us, you know, write everything down that's on your mind in a list and like go through it one by one and like what are things that I need to do like if there's anything that just you can get out of your way in like five minutes or less just do it you know anything that you don't need to do like if it's not going to matter a week from now or a month from now like drop it scratch it off the list screw it doesn't matter you know anything that's like important but not important right now you know delay it put it on the calendar erase it from your mind It'll pop up a month from now on your calendar or whatever. And whatever else, just like delegate. And if you have nobody to delegate to, delegate to yourself, like hire a cleaner, (laughs) get takeout, um, you know, all of these different things and just like say no where you can and do, do what's easier, easiest, you know, like some families, they'll like, you know, go for a drive 
for nap time or bedtime, you know, it's kind of sucks with the price of gas these days, but yeah. like <laughs> for, for some moms, like that's their, that's their mental health time, you know, they're yeah. like the podcast on or some music on and they just like drive and it's relaxing, way more relaxing than I'm um, dealing with fighting, fighting children. So, oh you know, goodness. I have, I've done that Macy. I have, I, <laughs> I have done that. My daughter, she was really sick and, uh, you know, all congested and everything. And so every single time I would lay her down in her cot, you know, she would get that nasal drip, she would be coughing, and it was just the pits. And so her sleep just went out the window. But at the same time, you're like, oh, my God, you really need to sleep. Like we know sleep is just so restorative, particularly when you're ill. And so for like three days, I would, it'd be nap time and I would put her in the car and, you know, the child seat has that like just gentle tilt back type thing. And so I would pop her in there and I would drive, I would drive to the airport and back twice, which was like a, I don't know, like a 45 minute trip or something like that. And it was just so good. And like you say, you just like pop on some music or a podcast. And I was just like, yep, this is great. I only got caught out once <laughs> when I needed petrol. And I was like, ah, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah, I'm like, do not run out of petrol. Like we're nearly home. But no, it was it was so good. God, the things that we do for I our know, children. Right? <laughs> you want to have to rely on forever no, you know? but, but like, like it you is know, what it is yeah like we we did it often when it was locked down and we were in the house and like there was just we were like stir crazy and it was just like let's go for a drive and we yeah. would just time it for sleep time because it just made sense it made life easier and then we just our kids transfer well so we just threw them into bed and it worked but mm, yeah yeah I love that um I've got one more question from one of our followers Great. and then we're gonna jump into our rapid fire I can't believe like I knew we would run out of time before topics but <laughs> here we go <laughs> um so Daisy has actually asked and it, we've already kind of semi-touched on this transitioning from a cot to bed what's the best way to do that <laughs> not just before you have a baby <laughs> not before you have a baby wait as long as you can uh, and like try to avoid it if you can so there's like all kinds of like little tips and tricks that you can do um you know you can for a lot of cribs you can lower the mattress mm-hmm. down um some cribs have like a high back kind of like more sleigh bed style you can turn it so the high side is on the outside. So it's harder to climb over, um, you know, moving furniture away from the walls and anything that they can climb on and things like this sleep sacks backwards with like, so that they can't lift their legs up. You can even sew like a little fabric wedge between the legs so that they're sleepers <laughs> so that they can't lift their leg up. You know, that that's like the, the first thing that I would say is like, if you can try and keep them in the crib. But mm-hmm. as far as like when that transition goes, I would say to just plan for a week where you can just be very present and very available at bedtime. Mm-hmm. Be um, prepared to stay while your child's falling asleep, if you're not used to doing that, because they're probably not going to stay in bed and mm-hmm. put them in, like tire them out, like, good God, take them swimming or something. So they are yeah. <laughs> put them to bed late. Um, you know, don't be worried unless, unless your kid is like really sensitive. There are some kids that if they're up late, they just go like haywire. Then yeah. I wouldn't recommend that. But for most kids, like, uh, like, like if they put them into bed, like an hour later than usual, they're just going to conk out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you want. You want, we want that, like that smooth bedtime. We don't want to start that craziness and get into the mm-hmm. cycle. So if you can avoid the fight, if you can avoid the get in bed, get back in bed, lay down, get back in bed. That's, that's what I would suggest is, is yeah. Mm. <laughs> Be prepared. Cause it's do, never smooth. It's very, 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 I was going to say, do you recommend, um, almost like playing in that space before bedtime, like to get them familiar. Like is anything's like, just trying to think what we did. Um, I mean, usually that. kids are excited about their bed. It's not yeah. usually something they're afraid of, right? Because usually there's like, 
um, you can let them pick out their sheets or get mm. them a new teddy or, you know, rearrange the room and stuff like that. So I don't feel like it's so much usually that you need to like, that they're afraid of the space that you need to acclimatize them to yeah. it. But um, yeah, you definitely want to connect with them and get the sillies out as best as you can um, before, before bedtime. Mm, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. We are going to jump into our rapid fire, which is just Three really quick questions um, that we ask all of our guests. The first one is, what is your top tip for mums when it comes to toddler sleep? Mm, I call it the pre-bedtime check. Okay. And so we've talked about this a little bit. So set an alarm for a little bit before bedtime, not an alarm that goes, okay, it's bedtime, you know, time to get your pajamas on, but an alarm for you. And not this alarm is for you. It's uh, okay. Bedtime soon. What do I need? Mm-hmm. Am I hungry? Do I need to pee? Do I need to grab the sheets out of the dryer and make the bed? Do I need to fill up water bottles? You know, like what, what do I need to do so that you're not rushed so mm-hmm. that you can be present? Um, and there's nothing worse than they're almost asleep and you just like, gotta go pee so bad. You're like, oh, damn. Right. Like, yeah, make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready. That's, that's my top tip. I love that. Yes. I have been caught out many, many, many times <laughs> with that. Or like, it's like, oh man, this is taking way longer than I should. I would die for a cup of tea right now. So yes, I, I. Let me and, just go grab my phone. Oh, yeah. where's your blanket? Let me go grab it from the dryer. You know, yeah. there's always something you're forgetting. Always right? something. Always something. Two ducks in a row. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, do you have like a go-to resource, whether it be a book, a workshop or something like that for families to tap into? Yeah, I've got, uh, you know, a resource on my website. It's called the Peaceful Bedtime Series. It's like a, a, a an email a day for a few days that give you some top tips. I've got that and I'm working on a webinar right now, but mostly it's just Instagram. I share my best stuff on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. Uh, and that's just at Macy.Rattan. So my first name, dot last name. And yeah, I've got like some highlights in there. I don't know if you're familiar with Instagram, but in the yeah. highlights section, I've got a bunch of little mini tutorials in there. So it's a little bit of stuff for everyone in there, I think. And if not, if you can't find something, then just DM me and I'll see if I what I see what I have. And if I don't have something, I'll I'll <laughs> try and create it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can I have um stalked you on Instagram. <laughs> And I can say that um, your resources are very, very good. Um, so, yeah, definitely jump into the, to that. Um, last question and that we always ask, and we borrowed this one from Brene Brown. Mm, what do you her. keep on your bedside table? Mm, my bedside table, my e-reader and alarm clock that I don't actually use other than to tell the time and earplugs. Okay. And tape. I tape my mouth shut at night. Do you really? Why is that? I'm so curious. I'm like so curious now. <laughs> um, well, our our tongues are supposed to press against the roof of our mouth when our mouth mm. is closed. And we are supposed to breathe through our nose when we're sleeping instead of our mouth. And I breathe through my mouth and I wake mm. up and my mouth is dry and my lips get chapped. And um, it's to try and force myself to breathe through my nose. It is a controversial thing to do. Um, If you read about it, there's like people saying that, oh, you might suffocate or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. I I find that so... I find I I sleep better. I know it's weird. Somebody told me, what? And then I was like, hmm, maybe I'll try it. And uh, the first few times it's weird. It's, It's really weird. And you're like, kind of almost get a little bit of anxiety. And so they say to practice like, during the day when you're like doing dishes or something, but okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. I had, um, someone else on the podcast and she, um, this is such a segue. <laughs> she specializes in, um, tongue ties, but also yes. mouth breathers. So yes. I, now I'm curious, do you have a tongue tie? Oh, probably. I don't know. You know, okay. I'm going to have to get you connected with, um, there is a lot of people in this world that have, you know, tongue tied 
or poor oral function. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very common. You know, we're not designed, we're not living the way we're designed to live, right? So right. There's, a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of things, but um, yeah, yeah, probably. Fascinating. <laughs> I love this. I, th- you know what? That is, <laughs> although... Although I like, I obviously have everyone on the podcast talk about the topic of interest. I am always so curious what people have on their bedside table. I just feel like it's this like beautiful little insight into people behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that's amazing. Um, Macy, where can we find you? Obviously, you've said that you hang out mostly on Instagram. Um, can you let the listeners know your handle and your website as well? Yeah, my website is macyrattan.com and I'm on Instagram at macy.rattan. Um, that's M-A-I-S-I-E because nobody can ever spell Macy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I have a Facebook group as well, which is Gentle and Responsive Mamas Seeking Sleep and Sanity. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, so, but mostly I'm on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, come come say hello, send me a message, say that you saw me on here and we can chat. (laughs) Love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been really insightful. I'm hoping that, you know, we didn't get through all the questions, but I think the general theme that people have asked for is, is, has come through. So um, thank you again for your time. If I didn't, I'm so sorry if I didn't get to your question um, and you're listening to this, please feel free to reach out to Macy. Um, I'm sure you can just jump into her DMs and ask a question. So um, yes, thank you so much for your time. If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services including our postpartum in-home care and our fill your freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.